Welcome to the Porsche Club Insider, your one stop for all things Porsche and PCA. Here's your host, Vu Gwyn, and the Insider Crew. Welcome, welcome. It's episode 51. We are back at PCA's national headquarters at the table with Manny Alban, Damon Lowney, and behind the instrumentation, Robert Forsyth. Man, we've, it's only been like five days since our last recording, but I feel like we got a lot to cover. I feel like I'm at least 12 hours behind on sleep. Sleep? What are you sleep. talking about? Yeah, that's what it feels like. Really? I don't feel that way. You must have slept a lot then. <laughs> I feel good. I feel good. I never sleep well in hotels. And of course, we were up there for oh, two nights in Easton. Oh, I see. And uh, then having to get up really early and staying late. and yeah, I, We just wanted to get that GT3 RS video out, so... Been pulling long hours, but hopefully it was worth it for you all. Oh, it was definitely worth yeah. it. It's getting a lot of great traction. Yeah, um, yeah I guess I got to thank my parents. They they never like tiptoed around when I went to bed, so I can sleep anywhere and <laughs> I get recharged pretty easily. Uh, PSA: If you haven't already, have your annual exam. It's very important. We need to be healthy so that we can get ready for the summer and enjoy all the things that. What exam? Your annual exam, your physical. Oh, you, you mean your uh, every fifteen year exam? <laughs> no, you should do it every year. There's been, you know, there's been some sad things, you know, funerals and all that kind of stuff. And when that stuff kind of happens, it does trigger me to remember to go do my annual exam. So if you haven't done it, go ahead and do it. Figure out where your numbers are. I go to the doctor yourself. minimum every three months, so I'm oh, good to go. You're good yeah, to go. I guess I need to start Damon, doing that. Damon, Damon. Oh, it's been over ten years since I've ten seen a doctor. Years. <laughs> Holy man. I know, I know. You need to go. Did Just you so go that... annually when you were his age? Some some people do. Um, I mean, maybe not annually, but at least every two years. So you're, you're 31, Damon, you said? I'm 35, 35. Now, so it's oh, 30, probably time. 35, to... then, yeah, definitely yeah, went. Started, um, I started racing when I was 33, I think. And you had to racing, go. And then I had to go. That's I remember my wife, mm-hmm. actually, that's the one part of racing she liked was it forced me to get a physical. At the time, it was every two years. Yeah. And, uh, so, and it actually, um, it, the doctor was really impressed because he was looking at the physical and he's like, this is, he goes, what is this again for? And I said, Ra- wheel, racing, car racing. Uh-huh. And he's like, this is some pretty thorough stuff. And he <laughs> sat down and he started reading line by line of what they required. So, uh, at least it made me feel good that they were checking areas that the normal physical wouldn't, wouldn't check. Yeah. 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 So normally I'd ask you, have you done anything over the weekend that's car related? <laughs> Boy, did we do car stuff. And oh, yeah. uh, kudos to Damon for getting the GT3 RS video, spending time with the folks at uh, Porsche and uh, attendees. And it was really cool to see how many people came up to us and said, hey, you know, love the podcast and the YouTube channel. And and- I got to give a shout out to Robert. Robert oh, Forsyth yeah. Because, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. He's always behind the scenes, but he got to set up his stuff and people got to see what he does, because obviously no one sees it when we're, uh, when we normally do it. And not only that, but he recorded every session. I had only asked him to do like four, but he went ahead and did every session recorded. And, uh, not only did it record it, but he did it with almost zero interruption for the audience. Yeah. So my fear was the cameras would be placed and they would be blocking people's nope. view. Uh, you know, it would be more like we have the uh, stage set up here in the office. Well, there's a lot of wires. There, you know, everything's optimized for the picture. But here he um, he found a happy medium and uh, 
the show went on no problem and we captured what like four of the sessions i think we captured so let me go over well you captured probably all the I'll sessions. Go over the sessions real quick yeah. for those who are wondering so we had pedro bonilla who did uh diagnosing weird sounds in your porsche yeah that was pretty cool which i should have had my wife attend that one um because she claims she hears all these noises in the cars <laughs> when i don't um uh, lake speed and charles navarro that was actually on tech tactics live so that's on the internet or youtube right now they did oil fuels and oil analysis how to keep your porsche running right uh nathan mers did online porsche inspections the hand hands-on approach mm-hmm. george Buesling did uh, i can't afford 911 how about a 944 uh, basically a 944 used uh used 944 buyer's guide john paderak and his son andrew paderak did regenerative restoration the art of preservation where they went over Three uh, 56s they they took from uh, look like the bottom of the the uh, Titanic. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and restored them, and that was like over 300 slides pictures uh, going over. Um, of course, our guest from Germany, Christoph Glockhal, did the uh, Porsche 911 Dakar Rally Package Overview. Rolf uh, Kitlitz, uh, who's one of the instructors at the uh, training facility, did wheel sizes and its effect on steering. And I got to tell you, when I heard that title. I almost put them in a smaller room because I thought, I wonder how many people will be interested in that. But it turned out to be one of the, be- one of the, best, the best presentations. Best ones, yep. And I think Rolf, that this show, even though he's been doing it since over 10 years for us, became like the rock star. Oh, yeah. Because every time I looked, he had a, <laughs> he had groupies surrounding him, <laughs> asking him questions and listening to every word that came out of his mouth. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Michael Tam, who came from uh, PCNA in Atlanta. Also another superstar. Yes, did the overview of the uh, new uh, 911 GT3 RS. Which if you don't appreciate the GT3 RS now, when you watch his presentation, you're really going to appreciate the GT3 So the cool RS. thing was uh, there was at least two people there that had ordered it but had not seen it. Oh, I heard about that. And one of them commented on YouTube. The one, and they, they got in at the last minute. They emailed me and asked if they could get in. We had to add in the openings. And um, he's and he said, uh, you know, I've ordered one of these, but I've never seen one. Yeah. I was like, yeah, we can we can get you into the event on Sunday. Um, so they uh, um, actually changed their spec specifications for the order after seeing the car in person and talking to Michael Tam. Really, yeah, yeah, I could so. totally see that. He's oh, so knowledgeable; he can like yeah. rattle off all this. Sp- he, he must like go to sleep with an audio book. Michael of all the lives and breathes. Well, you know, it's <laughs> worth mentioning that he's a graduate of Georgia Tech. He's a mechanical engineer, yeah. so he's not a, just a marketing guy, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. He actually knows this stuff and, uh, well, and the science o- behind not it. Not only that, he is a total, total car enthusiast. Mm-hmm. He really is. And yeah. of course, we had George Soda and his team doing uh, from Shine Techs doing the. Uh, Detailing demonstrations and, and the open room, so it was a uh, it was two a full cool days. Yeah, you know, out of curiosity, um, um, do you know how that person's order of their GT GT three RS changed after seeing it in person? No, well, you could probably ask him on YouTube. Yeah, we'll have to off yeah. to ask because he he was one of the commenters, I believe, right? Yes, yeah, on our yep. shorter video. Yep. Yep. yep, yeah, that's a great segue. Um, be sure to like. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to comment. And of course, as always, we're trying to get to 100,000 subscribers, so please subscribe. Thank you for that, Damon. No problem. So, uh, man, you know what was speaking of 944 and 911s? Did you guys see that 944 that was a, for sale in the parking lot? Yeah, it was. Um, wow, almost oh. 300,000 miles. Original owner. Yeah. So that the question is. is would you buy a car like that? There it I is mean, right there. Well, for those of you on YouTube, it, it was a striking car. Uh, cause most, I'm not going to say most, but 944s fell into the 
uh, I'm going to buy a cheap Porsche, but then you get to hit with the reality that it's still an expensive Porsche to maintain. Yeah. Uh, the clutches are over close to $3,000 probably um, if you're going to let a shop do all of it themselves. So anyways, uh, yeah, he showed up and... How many miles did, did we say? Uh, 295,000. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember it was an impressive number for me, and I have yeah. cars in the 200,000-mile range. So when I heard the number, I was like, wow. Yeah. And what's impressive is original paint. Yeah. And then I love the phone dial wheels. Those are so iconic. Yeah, he said those were reconditioned. They look good. Uh, but it, it, was, it just screamed a well-taken-care original car. And it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the no. imagination, but the price tag was, mm-hmm. man, oh. I was so that's tempted. to me that's patina. That's not neglect. yeah exactly. Neglect. That's just things that have yeah. aged. Not the kind of car that maybe a concourse enthusiast is going to want, but if you want to drive, that is exactly yeah. the nine. You know what that would want? That'd be interesting. To see how that would do would be in preservation. preservation. I think it could preservation. Do well in preservation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Preservation. Yeah. Um, they're weighing how many miles you have against the car, how you've used it, with how it's been maintained. So, Where, so um, and the restoration, the car has to be like showroom new. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this car would get killed. My 914 would get killed in restoration. Mm-hmm. But once you add the mileage and what it's being used for, then there's like a lot of allowances given. And uh, that might do uh, might do well because it's definitely a it's survivor. It's a great looking car. It's a survivor. The engine bay, you know, again, not, not a Concorde car, but you could tell he could take care of it. I think you noticed... The, uh, was it the water tank that wasn't yeah, yellow? Yeah, the expansion, the expansion tank, tank is tank. nice and clear and a nice light white color. The, the, the seats were really nice. There's a little very, um, you can tell it's used, like really well cared for, cleaned, but, you know, like maybe a couple frays on the seats are yeah. coming on. But overall, better than most cars with 100,000 miles. Right, right. Well, you, did you hear about the driver's seat? Oh, did he recondition it or no. something? No. So it's got the nice pinstripe interior, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you would expect a car of 300,000 miles. The driver's seat's probably pretty tatty, yeah. um, which his in, did end up you know, getting yeah. worn out. But I think he went to a swap meet or something and happened to come across <laughs> a driver's seat that matched perfectly nice. to and his that, That's why the passenger had the, the little the phrase coming undone a little right, bit. Right, but his driver's seat, was, driver's seat was, was, nice. in, was in better oh. condition. So That's cool. <clears throat> Definitely a maintained car. I oh, would, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought... I thought about it long and hard, but I don't have a space right now for an extra car. Oh. But that, that to me, that car speaks to me because oh, it's the original. The mileage doesn't scare doesn't me. Doesn't scare me. No, nope. it's the um, the fact that it's been taken care of and yeah. the history is known. And yeah. I and I love the unique color because mm-hmm. usually you see them in guards red or you see them in mm-hmm. what white, but that like it's sort of a graphite gray metallic. Yeah. That's a gorgeous car. And I don't want to give away you know or speculate on price, but I think since he was uh, forthcoming with how much he's asking. Um, you How can much? still you can still find 944s in condition like that out there for less than ten grand. I was gonna say under ten grand. So, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So and he had his um the spec sheet on the window. Yeah. Anyways, there was a lot of cool cars. There was some nice looking. Cars yeah. Fortunately, the, the weather was nice, so people brought out. Uh, yeah, Bogdan asked me. He said, "Well, we see some cool cars there," and I said, "Well, the weather's nice. Yes. Yeah. If it's going to snow or rain, then you'll see a lot of BMWs. Pristine, all original '72 911S. I saw um, that. Yeah. Which was uh, whose was it? Mark Burkett's car. So he owns a shop up there in uh, Allentown. Okay. So that that was awesome. We're going to do one mile review on that. Okay. At some point. Uh, what cool. else? We saw GT4s, seven eighteen spiders, boxer spiders. There was a nine twenty eight there on the first day. 
Um, all sorts of cars. And they had, we found out they have charging stations in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody yeah. of a Tycon was asking who was coming up that he could plug in, and they have four charging stations. Yeah. Now, we hadn't been there since the beginning of COVID, so February of 2020. And uh, just pulling up to the facility, we actually took a different exit. Um, and, man, did they build around that, and they also expanded – the Porsche footprint yeah. as 60, well. 60,000 square feet more, um, I believe, for Tycon parts and batteries and things that, you know, the new cars that are coming out. And we got, yeah, we, uh, some of us got to take the tour and it is incredibly impressive. And they're constantly innovating because the way they pick the parts today is actually different from when I went on a tour probably five years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. if you, uh, for those watching on YouTube, the blue bins are dedicated to a certain dealer. Each dealer has a blue bin, and they will start filling up those bins with parts as the orders come in during the day. And they they use uh, exclusively Penske trucking, so they're not and nothing's going through FedEx or UPS unless it's outside of their delivery area. So uh, like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, um, Maryland. Uh, Deliveries go in the Penske truck in these containers. They drop it off, unload all the parts, take the container back to the, to, uh, the warehouse and do it again the next day. But it makes it a lot easier. And because they're not relying on UPS or FedEx, everything gets delivered next day. Now, there's this one photo that's up right now that it's probably about a 20 by 20 box. And they had a lot of them. And we're like, what are these things? Can I guess? Do you know what it is? Are they batteries? No. No, they're no. not. They're transfer cases. And I'm like, why are oh, there wow. so many transfer cases? Well, apparently, I think uh, later model. The 958? 958 Cayennes. There's a recall on transfer cases. Mm. So they are well stocked. There we go. Yeah. But I noticed having you know managed a warehouse is they were using basically what I would call European-sized um pallets oh yeah yeah uh, i only saw one uh um what i would call north american pallet of 48 by 40 mm-hmm. uh, which is they're really the standard but these are un- unusual size and uh but because they all come from germany that way yeah so they set up their racking and everything for these uh pallets so something that manny noticed being the packaging expert here in the room is i guess when you ship everything from germany in a container to this facility, you pack it a certain way. But as soon as you sort of break apart the inventory and ship things individually, they actually invest in repacking those parts to minimize damage. And what was that? What was that foam stuff you you saw? Uh, well, it's a it's a product from a company called Sealed Air called Instapack. I'm sure everyone here has probably opened a box up with Instapack. It's two chemicals that when they uh, are put together under heat, they expand. So it's almost like expanding foam, but they form a, a tight fit around the object. So it's the absolute best packaging. It's also the most expensive. It's like fitted packaging. But, uh, yes, yeah. it will. Uh, it's uh, it's if you don't want the thing to break, you send it in. And this. and they had <laughs> they had these like two hundred fifty gallon. Because um, I've never seen uh, the, the chemicals in these kind of containers. So. So I, I estimated probably about fifteen grand each one. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It, it was uh, pretty impressive uh, how much they must use yeah. to repackage stuff. You know, yeah. we we hadn't uh, we we've done Tech Tactics East many many times, many years, and seen that warehouse, um, but we've never done anything um, a sort of feature video following a part through the part delivery process um, and with their new changes and when with uh, the 
uh, the new addition of 60,000 square feet. Um, I had been talking to Rolf and uh, the logistics person, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to do some sort of follow-up part through the, the parts delivery process mm. there and learn. Uh, I don't know if people are going to uh, – Comment in the uh, in comments here if you want to see something about that. But I'm, it'd be I'm cool to track be it cool. as it comes in from a container. Yeah, gets loaded in, gets yeah. coded, gets put into a shelf. Exactly. Then get picked, then get packed, then get sent out. It's really yeah. ama- so. My background is logistics, and I find it incredibly amazing. One of the other uh, interesting boxes that you saw a lot of. Um, Two more, two more boxes I saw that was pretty cool. One you saw a lot of, and that was windshields. I've never seen so many windshields up yeah. on racks. And then uh, there is this one box that was so big that it actually needed to be two boxes put together. You remember that one, Manny? Yeah, that was the, uh, the um, I think, Tycon battery. No, Well, that one was big, but the, the other one that was big was it was a Macan hood because of Macan one-piece, oh, yeah. big old aluminum hood. Then, yeah, yeah. shipping that's got to be a, yeah. a nightmare. I wonder how many iterations of packaging they've gone through to get it right. Yeah, so oh, that was just one of the highlights uh, of of the the weekend. And they, uh, they did each of these tours uh, for the attendees mm-hmm. uh, at lunchtime, and uh, and kudos to everyone at the, uh, the center because they came in on their days off to. Um, help run the event to uh, provide the tours to do cleanup you saw them constantly emptying trash cans out uh, but uh, the one guy uh, did confide in me he says uh yeah he says we've been cleaning this place for the past month <laughs> he goes it never looks as clean when we're usually working and i, I chuckled i said hey we're the same way here at the national <laughs> office hey well, hey, we, hey, we, hey 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 we've got an open house or an open house or an executive council always- or coming for a meeting suddenly it becomes cleaning day it's always it's just like when your parents are about to come home right you just it's a good reason it to clean. Absolutely. But it looked so. impressive. I mean, the place looked like you could uh, do it surgery on the floors. It, it was, was uh, impressive. It was very clean and organized. And the way they had the, uh, like you said, the logistics of um, picking. And uh, and it's interesting because they stock and pick at the same time. Mm-hmm. There'll be certain rows where they're assigned to work at while they're uh, receiving and uh, putting stuff back, uh, which, uh, you know, logistically, if anyone's running a warehouse, you know, that can be a challenge. But they they are very proud of the fact that, they don't damage the products when they pull them and ship them. And they know how important it is that people are waiting for this part to uh, fix the Porsche so they get it out there as quick as possible. He said even uh, dealers will come to them sometimes if they miss a cutoff time to uh, come pick up the part. Yeah, very cool. Uh, before I forget, you know, there's another reason um, I love going to Tech Tactics, and, and usually it's a, a more selfish reason, reason, usually to fix my car or, or do something. To get advice, you to mean? To get advice, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. And um, so uh, people who have been following along with me not pulling the front main seal on my car, um, at Tech Tactics, I asked one of the instructors there, is there a specific tool that you use to pull a front main seal? Um, out of a, a 987, and there is. It is two hardened strips. The tool is two different tools, actually. I'm not sure which one I'll use on my car, but two strips of hardened metal with little hooks on them mm. and $110 just to pull my front main seal. But, but got to, to do it. Right, to yeah. do it right. To do I it mean, right. Having the right tools make all the difference. Did in you the buy world. it there, or did you have to go? Uh, no, I'm gonna. I haven't bought it yet, surprisingly. But today, um, after the podcast, I'm gonna order it and ship it over. And yeah, I was explaining to somebody last night. We had a region dinner, and I uh, 
said that because um, they said, "Oh, we're, we're selling parts," and I said, "We wanted to, but uh, for order in order for them to sell parts, they need a dealer there because only dealers can yeah. sell parts. Right. They can supply it, so, but there was no dealers available to have to send someone to sell parts on their behalf." So unfortunately, we couldn't sell parts. Yeah. Otherwise, Damon could have bought his tools if he wanted to. Yeah, um, but even though they have them there, so. they can't. Yeah. yeah. So, I know the tour was amazing, but really, what was amazing was the cars that Porsche Cars North America brought just for our event. In fact, when our event was over, five minutes after saying goodbye to everyone, a truck pulled up to scoop the cars away. And it literally, it was like the time, like the guy was waiting around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably was right. So the the GT3 RS and the 911 Dakar. Like, yes, we've seen them all before. We've seen them online. We've seen them at the LA Auto Show. But to get underneath and see all the details and learn more about them, that was such a treat. Yeah, the underbody was uh, really impressive. It was. Um, I'm so th thank you to Kathy Lee from Porsche Cars North America when she told me she was going to bring these. I was very hesitant to start promoting it for fear that I knew there were so many things that could happen that we wouldn't get the cars. Yeah. Uh, but when they got there on Wednesday, I was breathing a, breathing a sigh of relief. And I think the guys up there really enjoyed having them because they hadn't seen them up close right. either. Yeah. So they kind of got in there and uh, started poking around and looking how things were done. They took they said the, the GT3 RS. I saw some tools, so they took the front wheel off so that we could see the air a little bit better. So Roth brought the huge torque wrench and um, took off the wheels. And I didn't realize they had this tool to slide into the hub, and that makes total sense. I, so I have, I have this tool that I put into one of the lug holes so that the rim can slide on and off. And for me, I do that just so that it's easy to line up the, the holes. Like, makes sense, right? But the reason, really the reason why they have it for these cars is so that they can pull the wheel out straight without nicking the caliper mm -hmm. or nicking the rotor, which makes total sense because mm -hmm. if you have ceramics, obviously you don't want to nick a ceramic rotor. But what he was saying is, you know, back in the day when technicians would be careless, they would nick like a beautiful caliper, right? And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden the, the customer recognizes that there's a gash or a scratch on their beautiful red calipers or whatever color it might have. Guess what? You have to replace that. And that's a yeah. very expensive repair for something that could have been avoided just by taking it off correctly. Yeah. Do you, uh, were you both of you there when we learned um, why center lock wheels are actually used i got the answer right uh, yeah hello. so yeah so it was, it was i think you. that was a a reaching for a reason why other than aesthetics no it's not because oh, come on no because i can tell you my dad so but your, your dad's not putting on porsche wheels and and no but i know the effects of it i know the effects of it because my dad for some reason didn't understand proper torque and when we used to work on our cars, when it came to uh, tightening the lugs, he would just jam oh, on those Back then, lugs. no one had a torque wrench. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> but then we also always had a shaky steering wheel. If you had could... steel wheels and steel lug nuts in your life right now, you wouldn't have a torque wrench. You would be doing the way your dad did. Yeah, that's true. But now that's we true. have alloy wheels, alloy nuts that and, we have to use. And uh, cars are also way more sensitive to all you that You can't stuff, tell right? me that center locks aren't there just for looks. They're not just for looks. Stretching so, so just so so uh, we actually say what it is is that but the center locking nut um, apparently just puts the the force onto the wheel all evenly evenly Absolutely. as you're tightening it down. Makes sense. 
So it so, makes sense. Right. Um, would I go to center locks on my car mm-hmm. if I had the option just for that? Probably I would not. For the street, I think center yeah. locks are overkill. But if you think about it, people that are most people that are driving cars that have center locks, I'm doubting they ever take their wheels off yeah. themselves. Like we remember, leave your comments kind of... on uh, the YouTube <laughs> channel. That was Lou Gwynn who just said that the guys with center locks never take their own wheels off. I'm just, I'm just saying the flame merch. on. <laughs> I, I know these guys with center locks, and they have uh, not only one but usually three torque wrenches to take uh, center locks. In off. case one breaks, you're about to be <laughs> so... schooled on. Uh... Okay, well if if you do have center locks and you do work on your own car and take your wheels off kudos to you but i don't know of anyone locally that i've ever been over at their house and say vu i'm going to work on my car and they had center locks you know todd uh todd bernard uh, yes <laughs> okay true all right there's one there fine what's i just had dinner with them last night and <laughs> well uh, that's a, that'd be a good question though does steve what do, do they take their wheels off yes they do yeah todd uh, goes to the track okay all right i stand corrected don't flame me. <laughs> Manny loves it when I say something I'm about to be flamed. So speaking of battling comments, ideas, et cetera, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. We, we always have to have a culinary part of this show. Uh, so we were in eastern Pennsylvania. We were in Pennsylvania. Christoph, who's never been to Pennsylvania, somehow we got on the uh, the, the subject of chips and being in Pennsylvania, we were talking about Uts. And, of course, Manny throws up his hands like, oh, my gosh, what are you talking about? Uts is terrible. <laughs> the best chip in the world is Lay's no, potato no, no. chip. Uh, you, uh, uh, let's get this correct. You said Uts was the best. I said it's overrated, that Lay's is better. And I can tell you why, because my cardiologist doesn't want me eating Lay's because it has so much sodium. And even he says that's why it tastes so good. Oh, my gosh. So to prove Manny wrong, um, although we had a pretty fancy dinner uh, Saturday night uh, before we went to dinner, uh, we we went to Walmart for some other stuff for the event. And I grabbed, oh, well, in my mind, when we we were going to challenge, you know, each other, he's talking Lay's, regular Lay's potato chips. And when I think of Uts, I think of Grandma Uts. And then he started whining about, oh, you can't. That's kettle you, cooked. That's you, different than you, a regular You can't challenge chip. me with kettle cooks and da, 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 da. So I'm like, fine. I bought, like, regular Uts. And I had I still had to buy the Grandma Uts. Uh, and then his Lay's. So you had two Uts, uh, two, uh, two variations uts. of Uts against my one Lay's. Yes, yes. So now we're now we're at dinner with uh, about probably thirty people. So. Thirty people, and uh, I put the chips into a nondescript bowl, and we proceeded with a taste challenge. I don't know if you guys remember a taste challenge is back in the eighties. Was it Coke versus Pepsi challenge? Yeah. So this was going to be the potato chip challenge, and I explained to the to everyone there that you just take one chip, experience it, close your eyes, do what you have to do, and then. Take note of what number of chip that that was, and then take a drink of your water, cleanse your palate, reset, and then take another one. So we did that for all three chips, and uh, oh, this guy Manny, he is like, he's like, oh, I can tell this one's a Lay's. I can tell by the grease. He's he's holding it up to the light, and I'm not a wine drinker, but I know my potato chips. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm trying to like, dude, you're 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 skewing the votes. So, anyways, so we go around all three chips, and 
I must admit defeat this morning. It wasn't just defeat. It oh was my a slaughter. God. It was a slaughter. <laughs> so so I, I swear I didn't pick but, the non-kettle corn uh, because you're my boss. <laughs> I thought, the, I thought the, the lays were a little too greasy and salty. But I was that's, like the only person who raised like my hand for all the was too flavorful. There's only two people that picked Uts, and everybody, yeah. everybody picked Lay's. You I was know, surprised. I, was, I didn't so like surprised. the kettle, the aftertaste everyone said. Well, yeah. I think kettle, kettle chips made with lard. Kettle chips made with lard is like a sophisticated chip. Like you have <laughs> to, like you got to build your palate to enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, and I think it took people by surprise because when was the last time they had lard and it has like that little bacon kind of tinge to it? I just Anyways. wonder what Christoph was thinking uh, as he goes back to Germany to have to explain oh. how we... I think Christoph had a great time. <laughs> yeah. Christoph ordered a uh, barbecue chicken pizza, asked for a medium. Oh, at first they asked him, and size-wise, they said 12 food. And he looked, and I said, can you convert that to metric? And the lady's <laughs> like, uh, no, no, I can't. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it didn't even matter. And the lady would look, use her hands to try to explain how big a medium was in a large. And, and it didn't even matter because when... He he said, I'll take a, a medium. She comes back like 10 minutes later. She's like, well, honey, I'm just going to give you a large. I'm not going to charge you for a large, but I'm just going to give you a large. And this huge pizza comes out, and my man finished half of he it. Did. I, I was impressed. I was impressed. And so between that, the potato chip challenge, and uh, I guess they don't have um, – what is it that we, we bought for him? Uh, Pringles. So he said he liked Pringles. He liked Pringles. Which, I'm more of a Pringles person. Which is not but even. technically not a it's chip. It's not even yeah, a potato it's chip. It's not allowed to be yeah. called a chip. It's a crisp. <laughs> so anyways, that's enough of our culinary <laughs> adventures. But uh, he did try weekend. out, because um, he got cheesecake and Bogdan got um, creme brulee. Oh. And I said, really, the secret, I said, is for each of you to cut yours in half and share. You dip the cheesecake <laughs> in the creme brulee. And he ate it. I go, now you know why America is America. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I think he had a good time, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see him again soon. But, you know, someone you know, 31 years of age in Porsche exclusive doing some really incredible things, really knowledgeable. Uh, but, man, cool job. Yeah, Very cool job. So did you guys have a, a favorite car of the weekend? Man, uh, picking one. I mean, obviously GT3 RS. Um, uh, and... The cars outside, I, I would have to go with um, Mark Burkett's 72 911S. Just yeah. the fact that he's driving driving it at this time of year and it's like all original, yeah. um, except for the tires, I guess. Um, such a cool car. But yeah, GT3 RS was my favorite overall of the weekend. For me, and I didn't, I only got to take a look at from afar, was I think uh, it was Joe Fabiani's from Fab Speed. He brought oh, that dude, 993. Yeah. Oh, that was a nice like, one. Okay, yeah. Like a cup. It was like a uh, RS Club Sport. Club Sport. Um, oh, tribute. that thing. Oof. Oof. That thing looked good. That was, like, that was gorgeous. It's amazing how tiny the 993s look now oh, yeah. compared to when mm-hmm. other Porsches were parking, more modern Porsches were parking next to it. Yeah. And then we um super, super happy that people brought a lot of cars for the Tech Tactics East Concours. Yeah. We had some nice cars, um, a, uh, an array. The the winner for uh, Saturday was John Patrick brought like a 1952 10-356. Yeah, I wanted to point out that was not diecast. I know. I know. But still, though, that's I mean, it's, it was people's choice. So I, when he brought it, I wasn't sure that people would appreciate that car. 
um, just because it looks it's a tin toy, but man, it is cool. Yeah. And uh, kudos to Melanie for bringing the faux uh, grass field and the little model trees. I think it uh, looked yeah, better than looked ever. Nice. Yep, a lot of cool cars. Who uh, brought the Ponderosa table numbers? <laughs> that, that was Melanie. <laughs> oh, was it? <laughs> I didn't even know they existed. But that way people can uh, know which car to vote on. And then on Sunday, did you see someone was super creative? They had like a, I think it was a 550 Spider. Yeah, it was just a Meister yeah. 550, which right. wouldn't have won by itself. But right, but it was running. It was um, yeah. driving. It I was guess, it was driving. So he made like this, uh, it almost looked like a tissue box with four cutouts where the wheels are for the Meister 550, and you know when it was on display to be judged, like I, like I was so curious on how he did that. So I, but I didn't want to lift it up. But later on, I did peek underneath, and what he did was he took two lo- little electric motors and tied them to uh, four RC car wheels. And so the tr- so the RC car wheels, like one ten RC car wheels, peek up just like on a, a dyno, just a little bit off the surface uh, of that little box, which he painted like it was a a, a turn, right? And had like um, what's that? at the at the apex, and he turned the wheels and. Yeah, and just ha- just having the car there running and spinning, he took first yeah. place. Very creative. Yeah, yeah. Was all cool. his effort was uh, was yeah. paid off. And I was looking at it so closely. I'm like, I think he just finished this, and the paint smells fresh. And so when he won, I asked him, "Did you just like literally finish painting this?" He's like, "Yeah, I finished it yesterday." I'm like, "I knew it, I knew it." But yeah, A for effort, and he went home with a prize. Do you have a favorite session? Favorite session? Oh, man. Um, I think I always enjoy sort of seeing things through Nathan Murr's eyes. And what he did was he had QR codes for a few auctions. And before the seminar, he had people look at these auctions and, you know, kind of look at all the details of the car and say, hey, you know, when you're buying a car from auction and you don't get to see it in person, um, you know, what can you learn or what kind of things do you pick out? So things that the crowd picked out, which were, you know, some pretty good things, but man, he did an impressive amount of sleuthing just from what the people post in the ad. That's pretty cool. And I think we'll post that probably in a couple of weeks. That'll be posted up. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Uh, so you can learn a little bit more if you're uh, interested in putting your car up at an online auction about what uh but at the end of the day he always said if you it's especially if it's a fairly valuable car he says spend the money even if it's a thousand dollars two thousand dollars go take a look at the car because there's going to be something that's going to be missed in the photos or something that you'll see in person that you won't see you know in in a photo and uh, that thousand or two thousand dollars might save you from a ten to twenty fifty thousand dollar mistake I like Michael Tan's presentation uh, on the RS. Yeah, I like that one, too. A, I mean, it is a deep dive into the RS. Mm-hmm. Uh, the video we have out is a great underneath of it, but right. uh, you know, Michael goes into... I really like the video, too. If you haven't watched his video, watch it to the end, because at the end, Michael's uh, showing all the adjustments, or like uh, the way I like to think of it, all the ways you can mess up your suspension if you don't know how these settings are. I was just showing it to someone at a dinner last night about... You know how easy it is to adjust, but if you don't know what you're doing, you're just switching around numbers. He did say they hope to have some crowd sharing of uh, different tracks, yeah, so people can just look up and see what other people use and found successful at certain tracks to save them time. But um, yeah, Michael's uh, presentation yeah, I, th- I saw I think- it actually twice. 
I think before I sped, I sped that footage up to uh, 150% or 1.5 times, and it still took, I think, nearly a minute, but I think it was about a minute, just really quickly, Going and he knows what he's doing, oh, he's switching yeah. through every, takes about a minute to switch through every single knob on that steering wheel. And, and, it's and I equate it to going to an art museum. You can look at something at an art museum and go, man, that is pretty. But if you have a docent, or in this case, Michael Tam, sharing with you all the details of the car, like that painting or the car just pops out at you and you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe the amount of details and you know the, the engineering that's gone behind. Like, like I had no idea that the suspension pieces, the way that they are now shapes like a like a wing on a plane to create 88 pounds of downforce per corner just because they changed the shape of the a-arms yeah. what that's insane yeah i didn't realize that there were so missing um aerodynamic parts underneath the car right when he i had seen some out. of those in the yeah. press things a while so i knew something was up but uh it took a second to really realize oh yeah there's even more yeah you know <laughs> One thing we didn't touch upon, so the, the front end of the RS has, it's completely filled with the fan and the radiator, and that's where the air goes through. Obviously, the engine's in the back. That car is not really a street car. I mean, because mm-hmm. you can't go there's any... plenty of room behind the seats. Is there? I don't... Yeah. Well, there's fixed seats, so how do you get yeah. even get anything back there? I think they fold four. I would have to take another look. I that that is the... not a touring car. That is a car... Yeah. To and from the track or to and from... It would not be a comfortable daily driver. Yeah. Give me one for a month and let me see if I can... (laughs) Would we do it? I would live with it for sure. I would live with it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, my my favorite uh, was um, Rolf Kitlitz. Uh, I forget his title, but I think he's he's the lead instructor out Mm -hmm. there at uh, um, Easton. And uh, he always... He's funny. He's super knowledgeable, really articulate. And uh, this was about wheel sizes. Um, So diameter width offsets um and how that affects how your car handles and what it does on the street mm-hmm. and it's one of those um i think manny put it correctly when he said it was tough to gauge how into this presentation people would be mm-hmm. um, but it turned out to be really popular oh um, it, it sounds like it popular. was my favorite you know it's popular when you have to stop oh yeah because <laughs> the next session has to start and you're like one more question yeah and i tell you ralph i was going to say to your point um, the cool part of being at Tech Tactics, which we can't capture in these uh, uh, videos on presentations, is you have this time with these presenters in between sessions, and they love to talk. I constantly saw Ralph uh, being, even by our own tech committee guys, just finding things out or sharing information, and that's the kind of stuff that to me is priceless. Is uh, just if you've ever wondered why did Porsche do something uh, this mm-hmm. or why did they do this. He'll explain, uh, you know, why, uh, if at least uh, how it was fixed or why they uh, probably right. fixed it. And, uh, you know, I was asking him about, um, we got on the topic of auto start. Uh-huh. Mm. I, of course, I can't meet anyone who ever loves auto start. You, you get in the car and you want to look for the button to disable auto start. Right. I didn't know that uh, if you stick something into the electrical plug of the tow package, like a Cayenne or Macan, mm-hmm. um, that will disable auto start. But oh, it wow. thinks that when it, when you're towing, the auto start won't work. Oh, so you just having like a even you know how they dummy have, plug of some they sort. have like bike racks that uh, yeah. you have can plug in. Right, right, you right. All that is senses. Oh, and uh, will disable the uh, auto start. So yeah. there's so many things that like I didn't realize that the car had to be warmed up before auto start started. 
Yeah, mm, I realize that. I've noticed. I noticed that in the uh, the Cayenne Platinum we had, but it's not perfect because. Um, so now they're actually they're not just turning the car off when you come to a stop. They're turning it off as you're coming to a stop. Oh. So you lose power steering. No, you don't. You lose power steering for a second, and so when I pull up into uh, up Is my the power driveway, steering electric on that car. Yeah, it's electric. Yeah. So so when you're pulling up like to my driveway, I'm, I'm going up my driveway and I take a left and then I back into my spot at my house. When I take that left and I'm just brushing the brakes, the car turns off. And so when I'm putting it back into reverse, uh, sorry, I think I just hit something on the table here. Yeah. When I'm putting it back into reverse, the car turns off. I can't turn the wheel and I'm trying to turn it. So it, so it's, yeah, hmm. stop That's start weird. is just, uh, I've yeah. never really liked it, but I think they've made it a little less wieldy. I don't know. I just turning think the car off. There's a lot of, a whole laundry list of um, yeah. parameters where it won't turn on or you can disable it without actually hitting the button. Uh, but it was stuff like that that I would have never thought that we'd have a conversation yeah. about that. And, and then they had so many um, engines on display mm-hmm. uh, that and cutout parts. Cut, I think we, sh- uh, you know, I'm kicking myself. We, we should have done a video maybe next time just on the cutout parts. The hollow spoke, uh, the hollow spoke wheel wheels, from yeah. the uh, 996 Turbo mm-hmm. S. Um, but you could see the um, the starters inside the engines. And, and I asked him, I said, well, they're not taking a regular starter. I mean, did they do something to the starter? He said, oh, yeah, they reinforced it and started showing me mm. how much the uh, how, how less stress they put on the starter now that they know it's going to go through so many more cycles than yeah. a normal uh, starter would. Um, yeah, so if you get a chance to go to Tech Tactics, be it uh, east or west at the facilities. Or a parade. Um, well, parade won't have um, – we do sessions at parade, but parade isn't at the Porsche training facility. True, true. And that's true. what um, – People, there was a lot of first timers, uh, which I was surprised because uh, normally it's the same people. It was interesting that Saturday was probably seventy five percent first timers, and it made me wonder if uh, the uh, let's say old timers yeah. uh, took their time registering and then yeah. got locked out of Saturday and had yeah. to go come Sunday because somebody made that comment that there were so many new people on Saturday. It was great, um, but yeah, they young were, and old, they they were just yeah. blown away by the facility. And I said, this is all so they. People can learn how to fix the Porsches in the dealerships. Mm-hmm. This is how much of an investment Porsche makes into. And I met a few people. This was their first PCA event. No, what was that? Yeah, well, yeah, the one. Uh, I forgot his name. The guy he with the Macan. Macan. Yeah, yeah. He came up and introduced himself. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice benefit of membership. So yes, was it yesterday? No, Monday. So coming back from, um, you know, wrapping up Tech Tactics, and we made a beeline home. Uh, Sunday night, got home, couple hours sleep, turned <laughs> right rough. back around. It was definitely was rough, rough for Manny because he had to wake up early to go pick up a trailer from U-Haul because we hauled the Project 964 over. Damon to- didn't realize. You didn't realize we were all off, did you? And I didn't realize we were off. I thought we were filming because we were talking about another video that we were going to film with TPC. Uh, and I thought that's what we were filming for. No. So I, I got all mixed up. So there's there's a lot going on. <laughs> the Laura was here doing yeah. some work, but the, the I walked, office was closed. I walked in. I'm like, hey, Laura, when we're done filming, I'm gonna go home and work from home the rest of the day. And she <laughs> said, uh, we're off today. <laughs> <laughs> we're never really off. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so Manny grabbed the uh, the U-Haul trailer. We loaded up Project Nine Six Four. And uh, Monday was the, the the first big project for the car, which was to install the KW suspension. And it was cool because, you know, Mike and the team at TPC, like back in the day, this was like their bread and butter. They yeah. worked on 964s and raced 964s. 
But today, you know, their shop is full of water-cooled cars and cup cars. And uh, they took the time not only to, to do the install, but to kind of share with us things that they've learned over the years. Um, although I, I, I dressed up in my overalls, I did not really get a finger dirty. Um, they had someone there to uh, to do the install, walk us through some of the the things that uh, can and will go wrong when you're working on a car that's from 1990. You know, back in the day when the cars were a couple years old, he said he could swap a suspension super quick, like, you know, within a couple hours. But I with think ours, he said, like, something like, was it seven or eight minutes you could do a front shot? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. could see that. That didn't seem too complicated. It was just a little the brake, the brake line is what slowed us down. Because right, right. As long as things come apart easily, yeah. you could do it It's really always the cool. corrosion. It's always corrosion. rust. And I know those of you that live in the West Coast, like Peter Smith is always talking about, what are you talking about things don't come apart? I'm like, yeah. You take a look at the underneath of our northeast cars. It's, you know, any anytime you work in underneath dealing with rust, it's it's like a. But I was happy that here's a shop. Yeah. And they were running into problems and getting yeah. the. Um, and I thought, what are we? What would we have done at the, at the office? You know, we don't have. We didn't have the air tools they had to get in there and, and, and that, uh, grind and. Yeah. You know, cut it away. <laughs> and that, that's the thing is, you know, and that's why we decided to do, to do it there. So we have a lift here at the PCA's office, but all my tools are at home. I have all the tools that we probably could have done it. Um, but to load all that stuff and bring in, and also, like I said, to, to have their experience in doing it, you just know it's going to do right. Especially this car is probably at some point going to go home to a, to a PCA member and we just didn't want to take that chance. And, um, you know, we took a before photo and it's a beautiful 36, thousand mile original car it's a good looking car but i tell you what once we backed out that car with a kw suspension <laughs> and it is on the ground it yeah, looks so good yeah it looks slam- so good then then became reality when we went to load it up on the trailer oh yeah and so so man so so kw preset the ride height which is probably like probably cup height um definitely lower than euro but interestingly enough Going up the ramps of the U-Haul, it was like probably a millimeter from scratching. And it was perfect. It was perfect. It was only the, the, the front when the, the front wheels kind of fall into this little well so you can strap down the wheels. Like I had Manny stop because I knew if like it, like going into it, it was perfectly fine. But if that wheel dropped into that well, it would like push up the front bumper. So we found uh, two pieces of wood just to make sure it stayed level. And it was all good. It's, yeah. uh, it's low, yeah, it's but it, but it makes you. Uh, and we didn't do the alignment yet because we're Not waiting yet. for the new wheels to come in. Yeah, so we um, today uh, the tires from Pirelli should be coming in, cool. and then HRE uh, they Friday can, the wheels come. Yeah, Friday the wheels come. So we thought it would be best to get the wheels and tires mounted on the car, then bring it to them to set the ride height and do the final alignment. And if all goes well, that means the car will look pretty snazzy. I, and I think we're also going to try to throw in the the, the seats. I'm going to try to wrap up the last door uh, audio-wise on the car, and we're going to take it down to Amelia. Road trip. Yep, it'll be a uh, project and in, in, uh, first first phase of the project, I guess, people get to see the car. It'll be a it looks, it looks so good. much so different excited. car than it was uh, um, already from yeah. the uh, height. Uh, from stock and i think it's right it's like i know a lot of people when we ask them what we should do with this car a lot of people want us to keep it original um but man when you see it even with the stock d90 wheels on it it looks amazing i can't imagine how much 
better it's going to look with the HRE wheels. And then people will see why modifying a little bit is definitely the way to go. Uh, but everything that we're doing to the car can be bolted right back on. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if you win this car or however this car goes to the next owner, if you decide to put it back to stock, we've kept everything. And I think Elko was shipping the, yeah, he shipped it yesterday, the rear seats that have the matching, um, upholstery of the, of the, uh, race seats are coming here on Monday, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or maybe a Tuesday. Either way, I told them, I said, as long as we have it, we'll put it in the back of the uh, tow vehicle and we can yeah. install it once we're down there on, at Amelia on Thursday. Um, but he was uh, able to get that done out in California through his upholstery guy. And that looks, uh, looks very, very good. Yeah. We'll have to get their name and give them a shout out for doing this for yeah, us. Yeah. Thanks to Ricaro for sending us extra material uh, so we could do that. And of course, for the seats. So. Yeah, that'll be yeah. a pretty cool car. Yeah, so um, everything is pointing to uh, Jacksonville, Florida now. We're going to get ready for Works Reunion Amelia, I- Amelia Island. We'll be down there March 3rd, and, of course, we'll probably hang around there uh, March 4th and 5th as well for the Amelia event itself. So, uh, again, everything is, is sold out in terms of judge and corral spaces, but if you want to just come hang out with us and see all the cars and take in all the vendors and stuff, it's uh, $40 per car to park in the uh, spectator parking lot and you can come and go i believe too yeah you want to leave during the day so a couple of videos we've dropped uh well, we, where well, i put them there just in case you want to know where we're going oh. um we'll be at the cars and coffee uh saturday morning with project 964 mm-hmm. um then uh, uh I, I think jim's jim has a membership booth at uh the yes, amelia at the amelia uh, yep the concourse on Sunday, so hope Jim will probably be there Saturday setting up as well with our new um, membership chair. Um, then uh, Sunday is the uh, day of the uh, concourse. Um, Thursday we're gonna we're gonna be setting up at Amelia Island and uh, doing. Damon will be doing some videos and but we'll yep. pretty much spend the whole day in and around uh, the golf course. Set starting to set up right from the morning and there's a lot of setup that goes on and hopefully people show up. We're supposed to show up uh, not only to set up, but to leave their cars. Yeah. Because it always seems that when it's uh, dusk, people start showing up to park their cars, and it's kind of hard to park cars in darkness. Yeah. So a little um, insider here. There's a, there should be some pretty big news with the Classic Club Coupe that we will drop um, on uh, over the weekend. And uh, hopefully there's some also some big news together with our partners at Princess cruise lines that will drop at uh at amelia as well so stay tuned for that uh videos uh 2018 gt3 omr that's uh david yeah. you did that one yeah uh 2018 gt3 um this is the second to last one mile review that we filmed in california all the way back in november if you can yeah. believe that we really stocked up um but this car was um, i mean they're all fun cars to drive but I mean, come on, GT3 is one of those cars that if you could own one, you would. And a 2018 model with a manual transmission, um, you know, it's a modern car. It's got the six-speed manual, tons of power, um, just a joy to drive. And let's let's not forget the awesome color combination of graphite blau and the the special inserts and seats. Yeah, graphite blue, mostly stock, but enough modification with the Sharkworks, uh, Sharkworks exhaust and then the seat center um pepita i think it yeah. was mm-hmm. um 
to put that as a modified vehicle because it just sounds so good um, and louder than um, you know a, a stock GT3. You know the one thing that I didn't do that the owner uh, asked me about, and then somebody in the comments also noticed. You know I don't know how I didn't realize that there's no lift shift in a 2018 in the 991.2 car. So the upshifting. Just remember how GM had that in like the yeah. Cobalt SS, yeah. like ten years ago. You can, it's, there's no lift shift, and the car makes a different noise. Almost, you know how PDK does that weird, yeah, sort of sound. Yeah. You know when you upshift and downshift. Um, the manual transmission 991.2 will do the same thing. You just slap it in gear, don't lift off the gas pedal, and you're all good. And the owner said, "Did you try the no lift shift?" No clue. Hmm. So next right. time I do uh, or drive a 2018 uh, or 991.2. GT3, I will try out the no lift shift. Um, I hear you commenters. Uh, I wish I had done that huh. on that drive. But um, yeah, beautiful car, Cowser Canyon in northern North County, San Diego. Awesome road. Um, probably a little bit too tight for a 500 horsepower GT3. Yeah, but uh, yeah, had a lot of fun. We talked about the uh, GT3 RS underbody walk around. Um, we wanted to read some comments from the 50th podcast. What's so the Kringle. The Kringle. It is a supposedly Wisconsin state pastry since 2013. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, a 917 would be a 10, I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If anyone wants to let us do a one-mile review on yeah. their 917. Shout out to the username. Shout out to the usernames. Who was it? Kringle was from, oh, this of course, it. Ian. <laughs> Ian. And then 917 was from DH Stat. Um, Craig's... Uh, Craig's three one six six. I did a good job of making Christoph look nervous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we did. That was pretty fun. But we we know not to cross the line. Yeah. Uh, someone was asking about the uh, movies, uh, cars in the movies, and um, so Porsche, uh, I don't believe can control if they use a Porsche in a movie. And you'll see this with the other makes of cars. Sometimes they'll take off the branding off the car, mm -hmm. or they'll black it out. Um, but what Porsche does control, so the movies will go up to the manufacturers and say, hey, we need to use five of your cars for a movie. And uh, most times they'll say, sure, but Porsche looks at the script, and if they see they're going to be portrayed in a negative light, which most of the times they are, they will not give their cars out for, uh, right. for um, usage. So, so sometimes when you see a Porsche, you know, belongs to the the bad person, that bad person in, in the script, um, you'll notice that you don't see the brand, you won't see the crest, you'll you'll know it's a Porsche. Um, and then the ones where you do see the crest and the brand, that's because they've gotten approval from Porsche to be in that movie. Like the so. movie, uh, I think it was 2012, and that disaster movie with John Cusack, and the boyfriend of his ex-wife drove a Cayman, I think. Uh -huh. And he was like a, uh, a came the, the off villain. As a jerk they always make the, the villain. villain. Yeah. They always make the they villain always, drive. A it's Porsche. always that way. And Porsche yeah. gets nutty about that. Yeah. Oh, I don't blame uh, him. But, but anyways, that's. Uh, I think that's uh, listener might have uh, yeah, read so something like, else into what I was saying. Like in Bad Boys, when Will Smith drove the nine nine, I think it was a nine nine one, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was a proven that they wanted the car to be a star in that movie. And same thing with uh, Transformers. They want the car to be a star. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, I anyways. think Mirage and Transformers is probably considered a, a good car, right? I'm pretty yeah. sure it had the yeah. crest on it. Yeah. And then, of you, course, they had the YouTube spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, there's a big time yeah, behind yeah. that. They're I guarantee they're putting money in there. But mm -hmm. I, I'm, those of us that are you know into the air-cooled cars, if you look at Mirage, you can tell Mirage is not exactly correct. Like... <laughs> 
I think it's probably like an early G body car with some sort of body kit on it because they could try to call it a RSR or a 3.8 something, whatever. And it clearly, doesn't quite look, it, look like I that. I mean, it's an Autobot, so I mean, yeah. take it there, with a grain of salt. There's this um, newsletter that comes out called E-Brake. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Manny's Tech Tech. The second tech story tips. in was about this. <laughs> yeah, I put that story up because Tech Tips usually does really well, and I'm thinking, well, Transformers plus Tech Tips. There this you go. I, just, hit article. I wrote an article about the what yeah. what the car is, the real 3.8 RS, and why yeah. it was so uh, special, and, and kudos for them for selecting it. I would like to think that an enthusiast Mm-hmm. Uh, pick that car because yeah. uh, you know you got to be an enthusiast and know what a 3.8 RS. But I agree with Vu. Um, I don't think this off, is a yeah. real yeah. uh, R- uh, the real RS goes for almost two million dollars. Yeah, the 3.8. <laughs> so I doubt yeah. uh, many people are. And they have five of them that they got to wreck. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's movies. Uh, let's see what else do we have in the news. Oh, so when we were at Monterey uh, last year and we saw the GT3 RS at the Zentrum. That was you a know, prototype. That was a prototype, but that was, I didn't realize that was sort of a let's see how the people react to the He did say, uh, Michael Tam did say, we're just getting people's reactions. Yeah, I remember to, him saying that too. But he didn't yeah. say we're getting reactions because we think we're going to build one just for the U.S. market. Just for he the just U.S. Said we market. Put, yeah. get, I forget he wanted to say, do we like green and white? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I had a feeling that that might happen and knowing how people love that. My, my favorite RS so far is that green yeah. and white one from Zentrum, and now. This now, is one. this the Carrera RS tribute that they've been talking about? Yep. Mm-hmm. This That's is the one, one that they've been, yep. everyone's uh, been wondering about the, you know, when it was released uh, a year and a half ago, all these lists of cars they were coming out with. And one little detail that uh, came out because it is only available for the U.S. market, there is a U.S. flag on the rear yeah, wing. wing. Yeah, on the end. I don't, I I don't know that's the first, first time ever. It's been done. Another country's flag has flown on the. Uh, yeah, no, that is super cool. And what did I understand that the CEO of Porsche Car North America is the one who was behind this idea? Hmm. Under his direction, at least. Under, well, wait, well <laughs> yeah. they said that uh, that the other CEOs of the other markets did not realize this was possible. Yeah, and mm. uh, he jumped on it really quick and said, "We want this just for not even Canada." Yeah. Unfortunately, to my Canadian friends, I thought it was North America, and they nope. said, no, it's just the U.S. Things. A maple leaf on an end plate would look pretty sweet. Uh, I'm sure yeah, they're yeah. probably going to order one and maybe have a little bit of the... I uh, might be able to collect end plates. I won't be able to collect <laughs> cars, but I can certainly... Uh, now now you see a GT3 RS on the street with no end plates. So, so green, you know. green is my favorite color. And I'm thinking, because you know how I just got those uh, other MYO2 wheels? I'm wondering if I should paint them green. Do you think black with green Black wheels? and green would look cool. Black and green and... Yeah. Especially as an know, autocross but then, car. But, but then you come across, like, I don't want to come across as a poser either, so. How would you be a poser by a... Uh, I don't know, trying to make it look like an RS and it's just uh, as a I think you'd have to, like, go a little further to try and... I think the poser train left on your car. <laughs> I knew it. I when, knew it. When you put the Nürburgring I, sticker on there and as, you've never driven the car on the Nürburgring. I, I knew as soon as I said that he was... <laughs> I've driven the Nürburgring. I just haven't driven my car on the Nürburgring. So what car did you drive the Nürburgring? The little, the little taxi with the uh, RSR Nuremberg. I wasn't there for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, um, let's see. What else is in the news? Cayenne Electric 2026 report. Yes, so this is... Uh, we've been hearing about the... Um, McConnell Electric, but now we're starting to see uh, spy photos of the uh, Cayenne Electric, and um, this is going to be using the same platform as the Macan, um, which you're going to see uh, more and more of. It's um, 
pretty sure the platform for the Macan and the Cayenne and the 718 potentially are the same it's platform. It's called the PPE, I PPE. think. PPE. Or so, Performance Electric, I think that's what it stands for. Yeah, um, yeah it's going to be, a, a, I think, an instant uh, hit, big success. Um, that, uh, you know, if you, if you have a chance, and you see on the YouTube channel, we have the spy yeah. photos. Um, or it was on motor1.com uh, news. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's premium uh, platform electric PPE. Premium platform, so yeah. I believe that's Audi is probably using it. Yeah, yeah. BMW is yep, using it. Got it. So it's yeah. like a skateboard chassis bottom and you just put whatever yeah. you want. On Remember how MQB. So like my VW golf is also the basis for, I think some VW SUVs. Yeah. It's the basis for the Audi A4, the A3. So they're doing a similar thing with their the electric platform. Before this comes out, we're going to see the uh, three, three row bigger SUV that po- you know, the rumors have been yeah, going around. Yeah, I have not yeah. seen any spy photos of that yet. Yeah, so I'm wondering, is the Cayenne going to be that SUV, or are they going to have the Macan no. EV, the Cayenne EV, and, and now the, the third the, one, the big, the big one? EV. Yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. A big one, it's a lot no. of SUVs. No, uh, that's where their, their money's at. That's yeah. where their, their cash is. Well, let's just be happy that yes, they're making those, but they're still making sports cars because yes, a lot are. of other companies have abandoned the two door cars. They've abandoned. You know, wagons. Well, then the question becomes, when does the last manual occur? Uh, I don't know. I'll share that with you when I can. (laughs) Which car would it be? So, works reunion. GT3. GT3. Maybe you're right. Yeah, Yeah, maybe the GT cars. Not an RS. The GT GT cars will be the last normally aspirated. So it would make uh, sense that they would be because uh, Ferrari is all manual, all automatic rather, right? There's yeah, no manual yeah, Ferraris. Yeah, yeah. And they'll um, keep reusing that six-speed manual. The, I, I doubt they'll use the seven-speed. Yeah. Even though it's been out longer, and the six-speed is now, I think, old technology. I'll take the six-speed over seven. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Oh yeah. This, yeah. For me, the seven-speed is just odd. Um, so we talked about Amelia Island, but then also behind that would be the twelve hours of Sebring Porsche plots. So if you're uh, planning to go there, make sure you swing by Porsche. Yeah, as long as you have a, uh, I think it's just a Porsche car key or your PCA membership card, you can come in. You don't have to have a corral pass to be able to come into the tent. And it's located, if you've never been to Sebring and you're going for your first time, it's located on the exit of Turn 17, which is the outside of the, it's called the outside of the track, but you're still inside the track as far as going through the gate. Um, but it's a great, um, Great viewing spot because you get to see the cars coming under the bridge and heading to the front straight. And, uh, wow, when they come around that turn 17, they are literally skipping like rocks on a pond mm-hmm. across 17. Or as uh, Kevin Buckler one time said, the uh, turn of a thousand apexes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else before we sign off? Nope. We have, uh, feels like, a Mo- not Monterey, Emilio's going to be here. Uh, sooner than we uh so we're gonna be want. able to squeeze in one more podcast before yeah, we go we'll to, to probably yeah. record it on tuesday because wednesday oh, we're morning we're hitting the road yeah all Which right be interesting i'm uh hitting the road on monday you are okay mm-hmm. so i can be down there all right well thanks for listening if you aren't currently a pca member and you own a porsche grab that vin and just head over to pca.org and get set up so that we don't miss out on the fun that we have and for those of you that are looking for a porsche there's a program called test drive which you can join and will help you find your car and uh, there's a wealth of uh, resources for you to take advantage of and make sure you get the right car Remember to follow our podcast Instagram page, behind the scenes photos, videos, Porsche Club Insider, 
all one word. You can send us a message or email at podcast at PCA.org or simply comment. We love reading your comments, uh, not only on YouTube, but on the podcast platforms as well. Until next time, stay safe and we'll catch you down the road.